Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. I am your host, Brett McGrath. Let's go. Let's get into this. I am fired up, excited, love jumping on the podcast, sharing some thoughts. And I want to say, first and foremost, thank you so much to everyone out there who tunes in to Stacking Slabs every week. I've been looking at the numbers. Numbers are ticking up in a big way. So I do appreciate that. When I say, go tell a damn friend about the show, you are doing that. So word of mouth is how it all goes round. So I want to say thank you to all of the loyal listeners of the pod from the top. I also want to say thoughts and prayers to the people of Ukraine. I know that this is a sports card podcast and don't want to take it down a bunch of levels, but I just want to say that I am sure at some level a listener or listeners of this podcast are connected to the current situation in some level and families and lives are impacted. And I just want to say, as the host of this show, thoughts and prayers, thinking about all of you. This is something that has been on my mind over the last week. So not a great transition, not a good way to transition out of some serious stuff, but let's try to do it. I did something this past week that I was going to do anyway, but when you go through the process and motion of punching in that credit card and clicking renew, it's a serious deal. And I renewed my Colt season tickets um, going into next season. And I just like took a step back and was reflecting on all of this. And, you know, it's not cheap to be a season ticket holder. Shout out all the season ticket holders out there that's list- that are listening to the pod. If you're going through this process, you know what I mean. A lot of uncertainty um, regarding the Colts and the quarterback situation. Seven Pro Bowlers last year didn't make the playoff. Um, what's going to happen? This These next couple of weeks are going to be big for the team. But for me, I don't need to wait on it. I don't need to wait on the news. For me, putting on my gear, stepping foot out of my house, walking to the stadium, and being a part of that those moments, eight this year, it was nine Sundays, out of the year is is worth the price of admission. And I thought about it and it was like, man, like the price of this, like think about the card or the cards that I could get with it. And I I, I weighed it and I said, you know what? Like this is a no-brainer. Like I'm gonna renew these tickets. I've been a season ticket holder forever. And to be honest with you, I I funded the season tickets through some purchases or through some sales of cards that I bought. So I think like that's something that's important. Like I think it is important to call out that we are very fortunate with when we buy cards and the values of those cards going up. And sometimes the value exceeds what we think of the cards and how we feel. So if you can look at a situation where you've got a card in your PC, it's gone up in value and it can cover the cost of one year of season tickets or or a vacation or a anniversary gift for your wife or whatever it is, like those are totally acceptable things like that we should be doing those things especially if we are being rewarded in the hobby so went through that experience i'm sure others out there are doing the same thing what we do for our teams man it's crazy it's irrational and we are going to be talking about 
being irrational. Before we do that and get into it, I just want to say like shout out to Prism God, shout out to the Culture Collision Show. I was not there, but I was a follower from afar. I'm checking out all the Instagram posts from everyone out there, and it looked like a good show. I saw some basketball being played. I saw some cards exchanged. People were looking like they were having a good time. So big advocate, although it's not easy for me to get to shows at this point in my life. I'm a big advocate for people going to shows, people sharing their experiences, and people you know, supporting show, show organizers in any way they can. I believe we have Dallas this week. That card show rules. I was at the Dallas card show, man, almost a year ago, and it was a blast. So you should all go check out that show if you can. It was uh, extensive. A um, lot of people I knew, a lot of um, great cards, and I'm excited to be kind of looking at that from afar this week. I think one thing that I've been thinking a lot about is just that there's so many different ways that we all can look at the hobby. And the one thing that I truly love about the hobby and the ex- is the experience and how the more you put in and the more time spent in the hobby, the more it matters and the more of an advantage you have. Experience matters. And I think that is cool. I think you start seeing things at different angles and the more you're in the hobby, the easier it is for you to tune out people that you don't want to hear or that are annoying you. And I think because one of my observations, and this is just through experience, is that most of the smart moves and most of the things that are happening that get people to jump levels are being made in the underground. They are happening and people aren't over-publicizing it, and people are just doing their thing because they know that if they go out there and start promoting these things of things that they believe are trending up or things that they believe other people are doing, then they know that they won't be able to buy the cards at the price that they are now if they if others have the same conviction. And I think that's like really important. I think the more I dig in, I tune out the mainstream narrative, tune out the loud voices and tune into the DMs, the conversation and what's happening in the hobby underground, the more enlightened I am. My personal use case directed towards this was just like the uh, shiny wrestling stuff. It's like this has been stuff that I've been buying for a year, year and a half, almost two years, and didn't really start talking about it until I saw other people sharing and talking about it. And for me, it puts me, I believe, at an advantage because I have cards that I've seen go up in value and cards that I'm still getting graded. I'm getting in the in the process of getting graded. And I was having a conversation. It was like, you know, do you, are these cards based on the value, you know, go, going up significantly from the price you paid? Are you planning on selling them? And my intention always is no, like the cards I buy, I don't plan on selling. Um, I buy them because I like them and because they are part of my PC. But you also have to have this mindset of you never know what else is going to pop up that you want more. And by taking the cards that you're up on and selling them to go level up and buy a card that you might not have even thought was possible, you have to leave the door open for that. So I think that's just something that I'm thinking a lot about. Um, I think you can buy cards that pop up because of the equity that you have in your collection. 
and you just need to make the decision. And the de- decision is like, you break down the wall of being like, this is a card I can't afford. And it becomes a conversation of what cards in my PC do I want to get rid of to buy this card? And I think equity in your PC is like really important. And we should be talking more about it because we do all this work and we have all these cards and I know we buy these cards to keep. However, we all don't have money growing on trees or probably 99% of us don't. Um, But we do have a lot of value in our collection. So I think timing is important when we buy, recognizing um, what we have sitting in our cases and having the confidence and the ability to make moves when we need to. I think, you know, this kind of investment mentality is like, oh, buy this card and there's going to be some sucker on the other end and you can sell it for more. That's just not how it works. That's what people want you to think. And I think what's important is that sometimes you have to take an L to get out of a card to get cash that you can go put into a card that you have more confidence in. You got to make that activity. You can't like hope like, okay, this card that I bought is, you know, down 30, 40%. Like, let's just hope that it goes back up. Sometimes hope is not a good strategy. I think it's, if you don't like the card and it's down in value, just be like, I've taken the L on this. I want the cash for this so I can go take the cash, sell a bunch of other cards, and then put it into a card that I really want. One thing that stood out to me in yesterday or last week's conversation with Jameson at Exquisite Sports Collectibles is you make money when you buy, not when you sell. And I love that. It is something that doesn't get talked about enough. I think your the purchase price is the main factor that determines the profit that you're going to make on the other side later. And the more we can think about that, and that's why like I felt for so long that I was on a playground buying up these rare, scarce WWE Tops Chrome cards for 100 bucks, for 50 bucks. And I was just buying them away because I was like, I have confidence in this. And this, regardless, like this purchase price is so good and it's affordable to me. And I love these cards. And now I'm seeing the same purchase price go up for four or five X what it was, you know, a year and a half ago. And that's cool. That happens. Market shift. But for me, it's like, okay, well, where can I focus my energy in the space that's outside of this, these buckets now? And there's plenty of spaces and opportunities and cards that I want, but I think it's an evolution. You're always challenging yourself. You're always thinking about things differently. I think the key here is to always be learning and continue that education. Don't think that you know it all. I certainly don't. I am just along for the ride. I'm here for the escape. I'm having a lot of fun and I love the damn hobby. One thing that is definitely going on are a lot of big sales again. We're seeing them publicized by all the auction houses. We're seeing people share them in the stories. People love these big sales. People put them in their stories. People post them. People do something else. And we all know what other people do or what people do is they see a big card sell and then it's justification. It's trying to justify, okay, because this card sell sold for X amount, what does that mean for my card or my cards? And I just think that's something that we spend a lot of time on. And I often question like, should you be like spending time trying to compare and contrast a a card price that is adjacent to that sold that is adjacent to a card that you own? I don't know. Like, I'd love to hear about it. If that's something that you think is um, valid and legit, like, let's go. But I also like think that there should be some sort of um, 
it's kind of a wait and see game. It's like, let's wait and see a little bit. And I think like some big cards that I I've saw that have sold over the last, you know, month or so. And I just like, I was just thinking about these cards and I just like wrote them down. I just like wrote these cards down that have sold for high dollar, high prices. And I tried to like take a step back and be like, okay, so like, what do I think about these sales? Like, what does this mean for the hobby? And let's start with the big boy, the $2 million Kobe Bryant green PMG sale. That was a private sale brokered by PWCC. Now, obviously this card is significant. It is of a significant player, one of the probably top five players people collect in the hobby. Top three, you know, splitting hairs here. It is of a parallel that is probably the parallels of all parallels, the PMG, Precious Metal Gems. And then it is the scarcest version of that parallel with the green. Um, Some would say that this might be Kobe Bryant's best card ever. It's tough to argue that on a $2 million sale. You rip the price out, you still think about it from the surface level in the hobby narrative and the player and the card, the design, its place in the hobby history. It's a, it's a damn cool card and congratulations to whoever bought and whoever sold that card. So what I want to say is when I saw this card being sold, my like, and I try to keep it as like rudimentary as possible in my analysis. This is like three bullets. Like these are the things that went through my head. Number one, someone who has the assets and the financial means finds confidence and security by putting or keeping that money in the hobby by buying this card. At the simplest level, you have to have a lot of assets or means to acquire a card that's $2 million. Now, acquire anything that's $2 million. Now, let alone it being a card, that is great for the hobby. So instead of thinking about our cards and how this, if you're a Kobe collector, how this impacts one of your other Kobe cards, that happens and people do that. And that's fine. And I'm not trying to like throw dirt on that. But I think at a macro, what's more important is that this is damn cool that someone decided to keep $2 million in the hobby. I think another thing that hit me was someone might view this as a piece of art. And I think the more people can connect the idea of art and cards is art, the more strong and the more sustainable our hobby gets. When that card hit my feed for the first time, I did not look at the $2 million price tag. As a matter of fact, I took a step back and said, have I ever seen a green Kobe PMG before? That is something that I just didn't register in my head. I was like, I don't know if I've ever seen this card. When I looked at the card, I just saw a piece of art. And then I got caught up in the scarcity and the significance. And then I just got excited. I got hit with a bunch of emotions. And to me, it was like, damn, like if there is a $2 million card in the hobby, this certainly should be one for all the factors. The other thing I thought of was this card might not ever come up again. It might not. We might not ever see this card for sale again. Can we? For sure. But based on the scarcity, the significance, I think that is something that hit me. So those are things that I thought when that sale popped up. Let's talk about some prospects, some younger guys. Joe Burrow, NTRPA, out of 99, BGS 9.5, sold on PWCC for 156K. LaMelo Ball, NTRPA, out of three, PSA authorized, auto 10 for 132K. When I saw these cards get sold, here are some thoughts I had. 
One, there's a reminder that upside is one of the most compelling reasons that people buy cards in our hobby. Undeniably, we saw Joe Burrow in the Super Bowl this year. We saw LaMelo Ball in the All-Star game this year. Young, exciting, our next generation of stars. People want to attach themselves to that. People want to be a part of that journey early. I think that was a big thing when I saw those sales. It was like, man, like think about all like the Hall of Famers you could buy with the, your price. But it's a little irrational. And we think a little irrationally in the hobbies where it's like, we can give up that connection to a player from the past to us attach ourselves to a player right now that might take those prices to the next level. It's this attachment that we have to current young stars. It's what the hobby is predicated on. It's why people rip hobby boxes. That's why people buy into breaks. The other thing that I think was compelling about those sales from my point of view was the NTRPA is still the card the hobby views as the significant card. I do say in a big reason, and I'm not here to discount the lineage and the history of the NTRPA. I'm here to maybe question the motivations and desires of our hobby when it comes to the price that we're willing to spend on newer versions of that based on some of the stuff that Jameson said in our last episode. Think about the relics. If they're not game-worn, if they're not player-worn, if they're just relics in there, like, man, like, what are we doing? So I think that's cool. And I loved how, although NTRPAs are beautiful cards and the especially when you get down to the, you know, of three parallels and you've got holofoil and all this good stuff and they're great cards. But I think you think about where those cards were sold at and then you think about other products and you think like Jameson said, am I, am I better to put, you know, my money in two flawless RPAs as opposed to one NTRPA? I don't know. That's stuff we can question. We've got time and we've got the position to question that. But for now, the NTRPA definitely reigns supreme. I saw a card sale that happened a month ago. I think it was in, on Leland. A 2020 LeBron James Gold Prism out of 10, PSA 10, Pop 1, sold for 408K. Now, this is the Kobe Dunk. This is the miniature LeBron Kobe Dunk card, horizontal style. And I saw the sale of this, and that's a lot of money. It certainly is a lot of money. But here's here's the one thing that stood out to me was the confidence in Prism Gold and the significance of Prism Gold and especially of the greatest, the second greatest basketball player to ever play the game. That 408 cave now in 2020 might be a great purchase price five years from now on that card, especially on a pop one level. There is a myriad of LeBron James collectors. There is a ton of people who Love the gold prism card. That and a PSA 10, it just strikes the chord where you're hitting all of these attributes where sticker shock, 408K, take a step back and you look at the situation, you're like, all right, that might actually have been a good buy. It's crazy. But that, that's what's going through my mind. Then just closing it out, we'll go to golden here. And this is kind of the one, this triggered some thoughts for me. So you had the Zion NTRPA 9.5 out of 99 sell for $594,000. You had the Jason Dominguez Bowman Chrome Superfractor PSA 10, one of one, sell for $474,000. Okay. Now, think about this a little bit. 
Now, Jason Dominguez has never stepped on the diamond in a, in a Major League Baseball game. Zion Williamson, you know, I don't even need to get into that. But what it, t- what it tells me is there's, there's a lot of gamblers in this space. There's a lot of people that like to scratch the itch. There's a lot of people that like that high-risk, high-reward mentality. And I think that's you need all of these components that I've talked about to keep the hobby moving at the level that it's moving and where we need to go. And to me, I hear the hobby mention sales and often question this, what's in it for me? And I think we all just need to zoom out and think about it from the macro. It takes a lot of money to be buying these cards that I just mentioned. And I think at the end of the day, it should all give us the excitement and security that the space that we're operating isn't going to fall on its face tomorrow. And there's a lot of people that with a lot of passion and a lot of confidence spending their hard-earned money in it. I put out there this week, it's the intangibles. It's the ability to look back in time and make the adjustments to the process to drive happiness. It's the conviction you have for what you collect, decisive in the moment, neglecting the set formula. You are the CEO of your experience. I was listening to a interview this week on the Mass Man podcast. It's part of the Ringer Podcast Network, one of my favorite wrestling podcasts. And Brian Danielson was on. And he's arguably my favorite in-ring wrestler right now. He's one of the greatest performers of all time. And he was talking about wrestling. He was talking about how he has a point of view about the product and what he likes. But then he zoomed out and took, took a step back and said, you know what? Like, if it was just like wrestling was all just what I liked, like it would never grow and it would never have the audience it does now. But the reason why wrestling works is because it is a variety of styles, a variety show, and people have th- different things that interest them and they have different reasons to tune in. It's different characters and it's different things about the presentation, it's different promotions. And I think to me, that's like really stood out. And that, Stood out to me where I like stopped my run and I was like, took a note and I was like, I need to talk about this. And I think if you look at our hobby, I think you, you look at the base market crashed. It kind of ruined the mainstream topic and the mainstream thing where, where people wanted to talk about in the hobby, where it was like, it was, too e- it was too easy to make a buck. It was like way too easy. It was like buy base card, sell base, send base card to PSA, get back and 3X, 4X your money. And to me, it was like this thought process where it was like, don't waste your time in the hobby doing something that you don't truly love. And I think back to kind of the Danielson comparison of like having a variety show, having a lot of different things in pro wrestling that he, that people like, maybe he zeroes in on one. I think to me, it's the same thing for the hobby where there's so many different versions and options and things people can like and be attracted to. And I think it's fun to stand on the island and just do your thing and kind of zone everybody else out. And if it's making you happy, it's like keep doing it and know that there are a lot of other people doing similar but different things everywhere. And we need that. We need the variety of activity in the hobby. And the more you do it, you start to notice other people who are doing the same thing as you. And that's where you make hobby connections. I think the other thing just, that is kind of been on my mind of, of this is like the comment about like, I don't see comps for this. There is a lot of cards that we buy that don't have comps and we don't need comps for everything. I think by being the CEO of your hobby experience, like if you're going for a card that's like 
there's five copies, uh, the comp really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What matters is like your motivation and desire to buy that card at a purchase price that you, you feel comfortable at and that you think is not going to set you over your skis. And there's this irrational nature a lot of times. And when I, I found like my greatest successes in the hobby just from buying and selling have been when I'm not paying attention to what anyone else is doing, but I am decisive in that moment and I buy a card or I sell the card just to get rid of it. Not because I'm following someone else's playbook, but I'm following my own. There's an irrational nature to what we do in the hobby. Now, I am not the CEO of my own house. I'm sure many of you out there feel the exact same way, but I am the CEO of my PC and I'm proud of that. And I'm going to operate that way. I'm going to think different. I'm going to be influenced, but not be overly influenced where it's like, I'm going to just go out and follow someone else's lead. That sucks. And I think that's where people miss out on the opportunity. Be truly unique. Do what you want. Buy cards that make you happy and that you're passionate about. And the more you do that, the more you will win. I just want to say thank you one more time to my man, Jameson. Learned a ton from him. Um, go check out Exquisite Sports Collectibles. I going to be a teaser because I don't want to, we got a little unveiling. So there is going to be someone on the podcast that on Friday, and we're going to talk about a card that he's going to announce and I'm excited about it. And it's a big card. Don't want to give away too much, but we're going to talk about the card, going to talk about the purchase, going to talk about the why behind it. Stay tuned. More to come on Friday's show. I am really excited about a purchase that I made this past week. People are buying Chrome cards. That's great. I love Chrome cards. I'm still buying some Chrome cards. But man, like the Transcendent cards, oh boy. These cards are just absolutely incredible. Tops Transcendent, love me some Transcendent. So I, I bought a Stone Cold card. I just, I had to. I needed an autograph. So I bought a Stone Cold from 2021 in the Austin 316 shirt, throwing up the arms, doing the iconic pose. It's such a sick card out of 10. And I bought it and I was like, man, like, yeah, did I spend a lot of money on it? For sure. But like from where my mind views the value of a stone cold autograph out of 10 right now, I was like, man, I'm buying this card at the right time. And so I bought that card and I am so excited about it. And I just love stone cold. And there's these rumors that stone cold's coming back wrestling a match potentially against Kevin Owens at WrestleMania. And man, that glass breaks and we all get fired up. Everyone's on their feet. Stone Cold is iconic. Stone Cold, everyone has nostalgia for him. When I mention Stone Cold Steve Austin right now, you all trigger back in your minds. And even if you're not a wrestling fan or a laps fan, you know who Stone Cold Steve Austin is. I think about Austin and I think about the impact he has. And I've said this for for my whole life, uh, the greatest wrestling match I've ever seen in my life is WrestleMania 13, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Bret Hart, I quit match with Ken Shamrock as a referee. That match to me is the perfect wrestling match. It's the perfect storytelling. It's got brawling. It's got, uh, I could just go on forever. I can watch that match over and over again. I think it's wonderful storytelling. There's a double turn at the end. It's freaking amazing. So as I was taking a step back on the heels of Austin, maybe coming back for the first appearance in 19 years at WrestleMania in Dallas this year, I'm canvassing the space. I'm like, I don't, I don't have enough Austin representation in my PC. So I bought this damn card and I'm fired up for it. So I'm going to share that card soon. Maybe it'll be shared by the time 
this goes live. But Stone Cold, man, you cannot go wrong with some Austin. I love buying cards in the hobby. I want to close this episode out by talking about being irrational. And I asked the hobby, what's some of the most irrational things that you've done? And so I think for me, I was reflecting on my own question, and it's I've offered double in private deals to secure cards. So there's a card that pops up and someone says, okay, this, yeah, this is the latest offer I have on this card is this, and I think I'm going to be selling it. Because of confidence that I've had, I've said, well, I'll give you double just to secure the deal. I've done that. Seems pretty irrational. I've sold my entire wrestling figure collection to raise cash for a card I wanted. Don't regret it either. (laughs) Probably could have made a lot more money on that collection if I would have just sold it off on my own, but I found a buyer, sold it, took the cash. And I just think about the irrational nature of the amount of time that I spend every week in the hobby. It's just ridiculous, but I love it. But here's some of my favorite responses. Signed and slabbed. Quit my real job to be in cards and autographs full time. I love that. Gunther card sold my brother on the dark web to raise money for Brady. Hope your bro is doing all right, buddy. 916 collectible set an alarm for a 2 a.m. snipe on eBay. I think we have all been there. B3 sports cards. Outside of transferring tens of thousands of dollars to someone I don't know. That's pretty good. It's like we said this. There's hope. It's like we here's here's 10k. Like I hope my card's coming. Badger Pride 36. Thank you, Badger Pride. You're a regular contributor to the segment. I spent three hundred dollars on a one of one of a, of an obscure three third string center because he's my PC guy. We've all been there, and that's why the hobby rules. CDCD cards not irrational, but I tend to buy big cards when I'm on vacation and have a drink or two. I actually love this. I love this because I can relate to being on vacation and having more time, having more time to think, being away from work and just being like, I'm going to buy some damn cards. Like this is me time. And so I love that. Bear down, boiler up. The amount of money I spent on cards in the last 10 years is irrational. We've all been there, buddy. Curly wrestling cards. Overuse my credit card again. Not astronomical, but still silly of me. It's okay. Get out of debt before you buy new cards, Curly. Kevin M. Cormier, honestly, everything I do is irrational. You and me both, brother. Northwoods card collector Jordan called in. This is this one made me legitimately laugh. Called in sick to work, so I didn't miss the third FedEx delivery attempt that needed signature confirmation. We've been there. I, I luckily work from home, so I haven't had a call in sick. But I've missed. I've been upstairs, and I missed a package twice, even with the door open and. I was like freaking out, but I got it the third time. This was a good, this is a good one from Gelman. WWE Gelman had a French Canadian friend translate a G chat to a seller in France for a one of one I needed. That is not irrational. That is getting uh, cultured. I love that one. Gelman DT sports cards jumped on a hype train. We all have been there and let's close it out with Drake's PC. Sold a bunch of stock. I had held over 10 years to buy Peyton Manning grails. I'll say this, Drake, your Peyton Manning PC is a lot cooler than whatever stocks that you had. Hope you like what I'm doing over here. Hit the subscribe button. Tell a damn friend what we're doing. We'll be back. More stacking slabs on Friday. Take care of yourself. Take care of everyone around you. Let's go.